Welcome, everybody, to the Chinchilla Pickin' Podcast. It is July the 27th, 2022. And it is hot out still, but uh, as always, we hope to be entertaining, educational, and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. My name is David Underwood, and as always, I am here with Brandon Beaver. Brandon, I believe the words of the day are inflation, recession, but mainly fed, 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 fed. Because that's all I heard today, everywhere. Yeah, I just heard everywhere was Fed. Fed this, Fed that. I almost thought the Fed was running my car for a minute just because, you know, they were being mentioned every other second. I'll mention them again. End the Fed. <laughs> well, <laughs> the yes. All right. So there you go. You got another mention from him. Um, before we get into it, guys, I do want to go over a couple things. Uh if you're enjoying what you what you hear on the show, if you're if you're one of our new listeners that have joined us now as we have gone streaming on TikTok, right? Uh, if you're one of our new listeners, we appreciate it. If you like what you hear, hit that subscribe button. Subscribe as always. Give us a follow. That's how we grow organically. And Brandon, on you want to say something? And we're on YouTube. Yep, we're on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Stock Twits, just about just about anywhere. The full unedited version of our show, video and all, will be on the YouTube channel. I'm a little afraid of that because I, you know, some of those shows I didn't know you were recording, and you know, now now, now I'm prepared. I didn't know I, I was either. Then. So I didn't know I was either. I'm so technologically inept. I did not know that uh, I could access. Okay, so I knew I could access the Zoom recordings the day of. But um, we, I just switched over from Apple to uh, to PC, right? I didn't know that I could sign into my iCloud and access all the past videos. There you go. Learn something new every day, man. Learn something new every day. Let's go over the rules, 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 rules. Brandon and I get together five to ten minutes before the show, and we tell each other what we're going to talk about. You actually hear the live discussion here on the show where we go back and forth. Sometimes we agree. Sometimes we don't. It's always more fun when we don't. But, you know, a lot of times we we agree. Brandon, I'm going to let you go first, man, um, okay. just because, you know, it's, it's that type of day that I know you, you got the numbers and you want to delve in. So go ahead. I am so sick of hearing the words tough comparables on earnings calls. It's driving me insane. CFOs of the best companies in the world, I'm speaking particularly of Meta right now, and Sheryl Sandberg getting on and blaming blaming tough comparables. I understand blaming you know, things you couldn't predict, like a strong dollar rally, which shaved off $1 billion of revenue for Meta this quarter. I understand that. But my pre- in my previous job, I dealt a lot with comparables and indexes. And Dave, are you still there? You froze for a second. But I, de- I dealt with a, a lot of indexes and comparables and things like that. And usually when you're talking about indexing, you're talking year over year. You're comparing your sales this year to sales you had last year to the same point, right? So if, if you get 103% index, that means you're up 3% from last year. You got a 97% index, you're down 3% from last year. I I dealt a lot with forecasting and things like that in my previous job. And we would plan out like a remodel, for example. And I would go to my boss and say, hey, 
I think if we remodel this department, we could add 10% revenue for this area of the store. And then we would do the remodel and then I, I, I would research it, see how it turned out, how we performed and all of that stuff. If we didn't hit that 10%, then I would have to go back and explain why to my boss. And if I tried to say to him, well, you know, we're facing tough comparables because we did really good last year. So that's why we didn't hit. I, I would, there would be choice words. Right. I mean, it, I, I could see his dead eyes looking at me in the face. Like, are you serious right now? So I don't understand why at my level, I'm not the CFO of Meta or Google or Microsoft or any of those. I'm not that. How is it acceptable for them to say, well, last year was so good. So this year we didn't make it. Either your numbers were wrong or you did not execute correctly because the tough comparable numbers that you were facing against last year, you should have expected that. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's buzzword speak, you know, it's, it's just you know, big exec speak. It's people out there trying to find a nicer way to say the same thing that, Hey, we're not doing as good as we were doing last year. We're doing worse this year, and we want to find a good way to say that because well, people, people are listening. The people, the people listening to the conference calls, anybody who listens to a conference call, usually their IQ is above average. Most people listening to the conference calls and things like that, they understand this already. We already knew that last year for Internet companies at, at the tail end of the pandemic or what, you know, middle of the pandemic, whatever you're, you know, whatever the measure on that is. We already knew that it was a great year for internet companies and that it probably wouldn't be repeated this year. We got that. So if your goal was to be 98% of revenue last year, and I'm just spitballing right now, if your goal was to be 98% to last year, fine, because it was a tough comparable. Now that's priced into the stock because you guided that way, right? But then if now, you go hey, ahead and you do you perform at 95%, then that's your problem. That's your fault. Nobody else's. Yeah, and, and I get what you're saying. So what you're saying, what you I think what you're trying to really say is on an earnings call, you would rather they come out and be upfront and honest and not try to use uh, different terms and words. Excuses. No excuses. Like, just just be honest. Hey, we're not doing as good this yeah. year as we were last year. Um, this is what we're looking at as our headwinds going forward. This is our guidance because of these issues. Um, at least you're not – I mean, I, I tell you what, I listened to part of Meta's call as, uh, as well today, and I didn't hear Ukraine. So no, that, that was that a good – that was a positive there. Yeah. They, they, they quit using that as an excuse on earnings calls. So, I, I mean – they also now meta also did mention about reels and how well the reels has jumped forward and really taken the head uh not a headwind sorry a tailwind for the company is reels and how it's become i believe it was over 50 percent of people are, are sharing reels and re-watching the reels over and over again yeah so and that's good and but i mean they re and they really have to make more headway on that because tiktok is getting a lot of market share I think so. So this is now here. Here's the thing. The analysts and every article I read and every analyst I, I saw on, on CNBC, Bloomberg or what have you, they were split down the middle 50 50. 
half of them were saying that you know this is this is where it bottoms out and we should look for it to be plateauing here and then growth going forward other than we're saying this is the beginning of the end for meta now if you look at the case that meta put out there meta said that hey we had the reels that's our our competition with tiktok we're okay with losing x amount of daily users but as long as the ones that stay are utilizing reels then we have that competition for tiktok and when you're getting like 1.4 billion uh, daily users i mean that's that's a lot of people using your sites daily you know that's that's a lot of traffic there and instagram's still the most popular app for uh young people right now i think instagram's a very popular app and plus here's the thing too that i got from the earnings call and this is something i like and it's because of my background and what my personal um favorites are you know where i'm about to go with this is the reality labs and how they're saying that that's going to be the future you know year a couple years down the road that's what's going to drive us again and push us as a, as a tailwind going into future tiers down the road. So they have a plan for now with Reels, and they have a plan for the future with Reality Labs. So is this the bottom, or is this, do you think, the downfall of the meta? So, no, I don't think it's a downfall of meta. I'm not sure that it's the bottom either, but um, I, I'm not selling. I'm not selling. Their conference call today frustrated me, but I'm not selling. I, uh, I still believe in the plan. Uh, the problem right now with the stock price is that nobody is willing to pay for the future right now. Nobody wants to speculate on anything, which is why all your consumer staples are doing so well. Part of the reason, um, and, and a lot of them are able to keep up with inflation, but people are buying the Procter and Gambles and the Cokes uh, this year so far because they're more, you know, reliable and there's not the speculation, but people forget because Coke had a profit. It's because yeah. Coke had a profit, man. It's not speculation. Coke actually produced. They actually yeah, had results. True. Yeah, I know. But like, you know, you're not Coca-Cola is not working on something as big and investment heavy as like the metaverse. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. It's just that's like Coca-Cola and their, you know, snacks division. But I yeah, so I don't know if it's bottomed, but I'm not selling and I may still add more to it. I do believe in the plan. Eventually, people will start to pay up for future earnings. But right now, it's not. I mean, Google's trading at like a 19 PE right now. When's the last time we saw that? It's been a long time. That's the time to buy Google, I, I would believe. I mean, seriously. The price to yeah. sales is at like 0.3. I mean, so it's a, it's kind of a value stock right now. So I'm, And so is Meta. So, so I mean, in that same group, you know, the, the, the fangs. Um, what about, uh, Amazon, uh, you know, Amazon, a little bit more expensive than Google, Google, as far as the ratios go and, and all that stuff. But yeah, I still think that it's a safe play. And a lot of people don't think that right now. A lot of people don't think that that's you know, because it's a lot of people have it. soured on Amazon. Yeah. Well, you know what? Look at, look at the price targets. The price targets are so ridiculous on just about everything. They had huge price targets, like on, on Netflix, it was like an $850 price target for 12 months, just like six months ago, maybe a year ago, maybe it was a year ago, I don't know. And then now all of a sudden, you know, those price targets are coming down because, well, they looked at them and they thought, well, that was dumb. They couldn't maintain that growth going forward. It was and that's hard for people to do. But the analysts don't want to look stupid. So they, they bring their price targets down to more reasonable levels. But it just shows you that the price targets that people set for certain things 
uh, or for securities, for stocks, they're not very reliable. So, I mean, that goes back to the same point you had before the, your, your argument about the CEO is that he wasn't willing to come forward and be truthful and, and give us like the just just rip off that bandaid. Tell us you had a bad quarter. Explain it. Tell us what went wrong and tell us what you're doing about it. You know, you want you want these these analysts on TVs to be responsible with their calls and say, hey, you know what? You're calling uh, Netflix to be a 800, you know, reevaluate the company's obviously right. not going to hit that. Say you were wrong. I'll have respect for you if you admit you were wrong and then give me a better evaluation of this company with the, the new information. Exactly. Exactly. That's all we're asking for. Right. Yeah, And you could just do like, you know, what a lot of analysts do. Sometimes they just say, bye. You know, it's just a bye. <laughs> what's, what's a I, mean, I mean, but I mean, are they wrong? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's what I would do if I was an analyst. I don't think I'd put a price target on it. Uh, everybody wants a price target though. And that's the thing. Like if I get on here on our podcast and I say, bye, I'll either get a couple of text messages or we might even get a DM saying, well, you guys said bye on this. Where are you thinking it's going to go? You know? So, but I always go back to like, all right, look, if call, we Ms. Say, call Mrs. Cleo. She'll tell call you. Mrs. Cleo. Um, I always go back to like, if, if we say, you know, go ahead and buy this stock. It's a good opportunity to get in build your position. I say, you know, anytime you go over 5%, if you're just looking for a quick profit to take and you're up over 5%, why not take it? But if you're in it for a long haul and you see some real value in this company, then hold on to it. You're going to have ups and downs, but hold on to it for the long haul. Right. You know, but I mean, at any time you're up over 5%, if you're just looking for a quick trade, I mean, that's a good, that's a good percentage to take. That's a great percentage, man. Yeah. And Amazon's had falls like this before. In the past, yes, with the dot com crash and everything, and people, you know, everybody wants to say, "What? Well, what if you would have bought Amazon in 1999? You probably would have sold it when it dipped 75 percent in 2000. That, or you would have sold it as it went up like uh, five times. You would have said, "Oh, look, I made five times my money. I'm good. Let's get out." Yeah, instead of making like the four thousand percent that you would have if you would have held it until today. Right, because you wouldn't have believed in the company and believed in, in its vision and bought for the future. But yeah, yeah. we're going off course here. This was meant to be about meta. This is meant to be about meta. The point is that investing takes discipline and it takes courage and it takes guts. Yeah. That's, that's uh, okay. What's so your next one? Let's get a meta here. Okay, so meta missed estimates. Um, they missed their earnings by 5.75%. Um. The EPS was they reported an EPS of two dollars and forty six cents versus an estimate of two dollars and sixty one cents. Revenue was down two hundred fifty five million from the same period last year. So if they wouldn't have had the currency um, headwinds here, they would have actually been up on revenue. It wouldn't have been an issue. And I kind of wait. I, I kind of wish they would have hammered that point home a little bit more in the conference call. That's something they could have talked about because this, this this rally right now, what we're going through with inflation is probably a once in a decade or two decade event, right? So yep. if you're buying Meta right now while they're down on revenue, the first time they've ever been down year over year on revenue, ever. It's the first time this has ever happened. You're getting Meta at a discount because of something or partially because at least uh, because of something that might not ever happen again. So way to look at it. They, they shaved a billion dollars off of revenue because of the currency headwinds. They 
they were down 255 million from the same period last year. So the company reported quarterly revenue of $28.8 billion, down almost 1% from a year earlier, and slightly below the $28.9 billion that Wall Street was expecting. Now, here's an interesting quote that I pulled that goes with what you're saying, Dave, that we are most likely in a recession. This is from Zuckerberg. He said, we seem to have entered an economic downturn that will have a broad impact on the digital advertising business. It's always hard to predict how how long or how deep these cycles will be, but I'd say the situation seems worse than it did a quarter ago. <laughs> yeah, they're starting to they realize that uh, you know how this is a real recession, and uh, that that we need to make some adjustments to costs and raise that uh, keep that bottom line uh, strong, even though the top line is going down, which is what companies do in recessions. Companies survive recessions all the time uh but there are companies who aren't well balanced don't have good profit margins and you know their their books were bad beforehand because they thought that it was always always going to be goldilocks and then a recession hit and they're out of business yeah i think meta will be will get through the recession just fine they're making job cuts they're they're asking uh, their employees uh, employees to do uh more with less uh, and they're doing it They've got $95 billion in cash. Yeah. <laughs> They'll be okay. They're fine. Yeah. They'll be okay. Right? Yeah. What was your next topic, man? Let's move on past. So there was an interesting article in the Wall Street Journal last week about what retailer might be the next to fail. And their Ooh. pick was Bed Bath & Beyond. You ate. Okay. I can see that. I mean, I've been in there in those, but I haven't been in them lately. No, neither have I. And they do weird things like close at seven o'clock on a Saturday. Yeah, right. Who does, does that? Make any sense? Uh, shares have fallen ninety percent over the past nine years. Their problem started prior to co- uh, prior to COVID. Quarterly net income went negative for the fourth quarter of twenty eighteen. Dave, you always say if you're a retailer and you're losing in the fourth quarter. That's a problem, right? Every retail should be should be going great in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it's a strong quarter. So that was I might as well just call you GameStop. Yeah, so that was 2018, prior to COVID. So you can't blame COVID for this. Mark Triton took over as CEO the third quarter of 2019. He made new investments in tech, brought along new private label brands that took the place of nationally recognized brands like MyPillow. Um, this was not successful. This confused customers. Customers were coming into Bed Bath & Beyond looking for the brands that they knew, the brands that they trusted. They couldn't find them anymore. They remodeled the stores. And the problem with this is that they did it during COVID-19, which a lot of retailers kind of did the same thing. This will eat the cost right now while there's not customers in the stores. And we know we won't sacrifice the sales, right? The thing is, Bed Bath & Beyond used to have a motto, and it used to be stack them high, watch them fly. They went completely away from that. They completely remodeled the entire store, the layouts and everything. And so when customers came in, they were even more confused. So they didn't know how to find the products they were looking for, and the products they were looking for most likely weren't even there. So on June 29th of this year, Mark Triton exited the role. Ryan Cohen 
took a stake in Bed Bath and Beyond, and you know the apes went wild over that. Yeah, and then he pushed for changes, including separating Bye Bye Baby and um, trying to make those two different companies. It, it hasn't happened yet. That's still sort of in the works, but sales continue to decline quarter after quarter. And in a statement to the Wall Street Journal, a Bed Bath and Beyond rep wrote, uh, a Bed Bath and Beyond rep wrote, "We have a one billion dollar asset backed revolving credit facility." Additionally, we have taken actions on many fronts, including the reduction of at least $100 million of CapEx against the company's original plan. Additional measures are being pursued. We are working with an external advisor to focus on cash, inventory, and balance sheet optimization. This part drives me insane. You're working with an external rep or an external advisor to focus on cash, inventory, and balance sheet optimization. You hired somebody else from another company to do your job. That's basically what you're saying, because the job of retail, a retail company is to focus on those things by themselves. Yeah. So, Brandon, you know, I will say this. There are companies out there that do this and this is what they get hired to do. They come in and they, they help the financial books of a company. They, they, these companies wouldn't exist if there wasn't a problem. Right. So you, yeah. a brick and mortar retailer can get in such a rut that they're just not managing things correctly. That's where Cohen, you want an activist investor to come in and really shake some things up. That's one way of shaking them up. I don't put Cohen as, I, I, all right. So if I'm ranking my activist investors here, I put them below a Bill Ackman. You know, I put them be, well below, yeah, a well below a Carl Icahn. Yeah. Carl, Carl Icahn, I think is, is battling now. You can argue him for first over a couple others, but I put Cohen down there on the list. He's good. But I wouldn't say he's great. And he probably, you don't know what kind of deal he got on those stocks he bought either. Yeah. What I mean, preferred shares they were. I, I will say he's doing what he can do. He's doing what he can do. But do all these headwinds here now mean that, uh, and, and if, if you're listening, if you haven't figured it out by now, but listen to us out here on the show, a headwind means something that's uh, challenging or an obstacle coming up. And a tailwind is good news, positive news. Headwind is bad news. So what with all these headwinds heading head the company, is can Cohen turn this around, split the company up, and then sell them off? Because that's probably what he wants to do. They probably have to go private. And it would be a much smaller scale than what it is right now. Retail is weird. I mean, when you see insurance companies and banks go under, it's usually in a big explosion, right? Like you don't see it coming. And then two or three weeks later, like Lehman Brothers is gone. Don't, don't remind me of that time. That Lehman Brothers thing just that, that hurt me emotionally. Retailers <laughs> slow bleed until they just die. It's just a slow bleeding death. Right. Until they go private and on a smaller scale like JCPenney or until they disappear like Circuit City or Toys R Us. It's a slow bleed. Um, they did say this. They, and this would be interesting to see what they say. The company will provide a further update at the end of this month. So they've got an announcement coming. It's probably about the uh, going private or splitting or something along those lines. Yeah. I wouldn't buy it. I don't think you buy it here. I don't think I didn't buy it. So you, you agree with the article that this is the retailer that will go out of business. I think it's probably one of them. The 
retailers have in the past managed to turn themselves around, but it's like one out of 10. When they get that bad off, it's usually done. And you're not hmm. going to have it the way that you used to see it. I, I, I've i been very surprised and I don't invest in apparel because uh, uh, in apparel, I mean, I don't invest in apparel because it's just too, uh, it's hard to predict. And and I've been surprised at the longevity of Abercrombie and Fitch. If I was a betting man 10 years ago, it said that would have been gone. So, you know, it's not like there's no hope for Bed Bath and Beyond. It's just like there's little hope for Bed Bath and Beyond. Gotcha. Long shots are always rare. They also pay off the biggest, too. When they happen, but most of the time they don't, you know. Everybody right. wants to go buy those penny stocks at a at a dollar and then wait for them to hit, you know, 100 bucks per share. <laughs> I got a better chance yeah. of winning the mega millions. Hey, that's a billion dollars, buddy. After right. taxes, about 500 million. So there you go. Uh, this may be a stupid investment decision, but I'm playing it. <laughs> Why not? It's only, it's only, what is it, two bucks? I mean, two bucks. Yeah, it's two dollars. Yeah. And you got a chance. You got a shot to one, you know, billion bucks. Two bucks now. It was like 50 cents like two years ago. So there you go, man. Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it, so, anyways, uh, moving on. All right. Bed, bath, and beyond. Possible. You will see the dumbest. You will see the dumbest picture of me on the cover of Forbes if I win that mega millions. <laughs> what else you got? What's that's next? That, that's what I had for you. I think uh, Bed Bath and Beyond, don't play it. Don't touch any of those meme stocks. Gotcha. I it, Out of all of them, I'd be a little bit more partial to AMC just because they still have a business. Um, and Bed Bath and Beyond, of course, they still have a business too. But it's... No, I don't touch them. All right. Um, I got a couple more things before we get into them. I want to take one minute here and remind everybody that in the middle of September, Brandon and I are going to do a live broadcast, podcast, whatever kind of cast. Um, we're going to be out in the city. We'll announce where we're going to be uh, two weeks ahead of time. Uh, I just want to put that out there. If you guys are excited, if you want us to come to your store if you want us to come to your place reach out to us let us know we'll set up shop we'll be there we'll do the live podcast from there uh we could take questions as we're uh, talking um you know we may get a, a crowd of ten thousand or a crowd of one either way we'll be broadcasting so i'll be here there'll at least be a crowd of two that yeah right there will at least be brandon and i there uh doing our podcast so if you have questions uh look for that that's coming up we'll announce where we're going to be two weeks ahead of time Brandon, 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 I got a bunch of news that hit the wire today, and I wanted to get your opinion on a number of it because I love asking your opinion. I don't know why, but I just do. One of the things that came out today was the pending home sales index, and again, it was down. But yet again, prices still aren't dropping negative. They are still slowly going. I just don't get it. Pending home sales are down. All the builders are coming out saying, hey, we can't sell as much. We're having to offer incentives in certain markets in order to move houses, but yet home prices aren't falling. Yeah, prices sometimes lag. Um, but in this situation, it's so hard to try to figure out. There's so much intervention and coercion involved in the housing market. I, you can't really pinpoint what's messing it up. 
it could be lagging prices. If I had to be, uh, if I had to put my money on it, I'd say within six months, home prices start coming down. I, I say they should start coming down sooner. Yeah. They should, but will they? I don't know. Either way, I'm not buying any of the home builders right now. Those would be a big sell in my mark. I am a bear on home builders. It could also be uh, stubborn sellers who just refuse to bring down the price because they want to sell it for what they could have sold it for two months ago. It, that That's definitely, definitely a possibility. All right. The next thing I want to get into, see, I'm going to do like a, like a little quick head them quick, quick, quick question move on to the next one all right we got round (laughs) yeah right we can't say that that's that that's taken uh petroleum status report our inventories are down across the board man uh oil crude every uh gas everything is down across the board as far as inventories is this look bad or good for the oil makers? Because right now there's still a drastic need and they could pretty much charge whatever price they want. Do you think they're going to continue to make money like that? Or do you think that this is the end of it? And now we are going to start seeing those come down. It's a balancing act. They, they can't charge too much because then they quicken the pace of the economy going into an electric future. But okay. but at the same time, they got to make their profits. And, you know, they're making profits right now that they had made in, you know, 10 years. They're making a lot of profit. Yeah, they're, they're making their money off of this, which I don't blame them. It's they had they didn't have control over the price. I wonder know? if next year, I wonder if next year they'll be saying in their conference calls, they're facing tough comps. Yeah, <laughs> tough comparables. I can't I can't compete to last year. During the whole crisis. Now, I will say the rig count, the Baker Hughes rig count, that's the one I go by. The U.S. uh, rigs is at 758. So when we started tracking this here on this podcast about a year ago, it was around 400s. We are up 300s from then, but we are still not at pre-pandemic accounts for rig counts. Um, I would like to see them higher, man. Yeah. I mean, uh, they're, they're, uh, during 2014-2015, uh, under an administration that you would figure it would be very anti-oil, they had uh, rig counts at about 1,500. So we can pump up the rig counts and we can uh, produce more oil as a country, and that would drive down the price, but uh, we still got to see that take place. I don't see them moving out of the channel they're in without some sort of geopolitical news. Yeah, well, a lot of investors are thinking probably the same way that we are, and this increase in oil prices is it's not going to last. It's a one-time and you know a decade event, and who knows if it'll ever happen again? Right. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, take it while I can, but I think they they are priced right where they need to be priced. All right, here here we go, man. Moving on to the next thing. Uh, the United States Senate has passed that bill to boost chip manufacturing in the United States. That way we can compete with China. This is directly going to affect the chip makers, which today, almost all of them moved up. On that news and on the news at Qualcomm was had a you know, decent earnings report there. I mean, everybody thought they had decent earnings report. They were up. They actually came out with their earnings report. It dropped down but they had good guidance and the guidance sometimes will be key to how a stock moves going forward with this 
Senate passing a bill saying the U.S. is going to fork out $50 billion to help ma- uh, build manufacturing plants here, but they won't be open for two to three years. Do you invest in chip stocks now or do you do you wait and hold off because they all most of them, not all, gapped up today? You wait for a pullback. Don't you love it? They'll be ready just in time for the supply shortage to be over with. Right. And our government looks at China and says, hey, there's an economy with, you know, what, half a billion of people, half and a, half a billion people that are living on a, a dollar a day or less. Let's be more like them. No, we don't need to do this. We don't need to do it. There's plenty of money already in tech, and there's plenty of money already that the semiconductor companies have. They can do it themselves. There's- but see, I mean, this now, now, hold on. I, I and, and I understand what you're saying, and I, I, I agree with you. But at the same point in time, like Germany's paying for Intel to build a plant out there. These 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 companies are getting money from other countries to build plants there. They come to the United States and saying, "Hey." You need to give us money, too, for us to build a plant there. Yeah, and then 20 years from now, half the plants won't exist anymore. They'll be empty, just like our malls are. Well, well you know yeah. what happened with the malls, right? The local government yeah. paid people to come in and, 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 and take up the space. So you had all these investors, you know, getting paid basically to build malls, and then they failed. Yep. Now, yeah, and- I, yeah, I'm not a I'm not a big fan of uh, the the government subsidizing a lot of things. There's sometimes it's needed, sometimes it's not. It's very uh, thin line there to walk and it, uh, and walk that balance. In general, if it's needed, the free market can do it. But when it comes to chip stocks, bringing back the stocks and money and finance here, when it comes to chip stocks, Brandon. Do you see this as a uh, wait for them to drop back down? Do you think they all gapped up now I wait for the drop? Or do you think you get in and you roll with the train because it's going to take off? I think you buy NVIDIA. Okay. Buy the leader. Now, isn't Taiwan Taiwan the leader? Yeah, it is, but it's just too much geopolitical uncertainty. And I've played played around with that stock a few times. If there was no geopolitical uncertainty, the stock would probably be trading at a PE of like 50. Gotcha. All right, man. Fair enough. Fair enough. And the, the last very last one I have here for you, buddy, is I want to talk about one that I've been uh, talking. It's a stock I've been talking about. You may not have any comment whatsoever on it, but I'm going to mention this. And it was right. How last week on the podcast, I said we sold, we got out. I posted on Instagram, sell, get out, take your profit. It was a great opportunity. If you wanted to, you can hold on to it. You know, there should be more upside, but you're going to be hold on to it for a little bit, waiting for that upside to hit. Um, but if you were up, take your profit out. Well, it went right back down right afterwards. So I went ahead, bought back in, and then I sold again today and I made more money. Am I saying that this is going to continue the channel like this going forward? Probably, but I'm not willing to make that call on the podcast. All right, that that's kind of where I'm at. Breaks out, you can play the breakout. Either way, yeah, puts a call whether it's going up or down. I mean, eventually it's going to go back up, but you know, I I agree with some of the analysts. Some, not most of them, were were happy about the 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 rate the move up today, but there were some out there saying, "Hey, I still see." 
a possible another dip down before we eventually uh, make a, a slow move up. And it will be a slow move, but uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of in that camp right now. And just because it fits better with my October timeline that I put it out there, <laughs> that all fits better for me. Um, so that, that works a lot smoother that we see another dip down. So I'm looking for more of a channeling approach to Riot than anything else. Yeah. Um, I, I always keep it on my watch list, so I have an eye on it. I'm not currently in it right now. Uh, like I said, I bought it and sold it and then bought it and sold it. Um, so I'm not currently in it right now, but I am looking for an opportunity to get in. So that's where I'm at on that. All right, uh, Brandon, final thoughts. You go first. Recession could be a sell the news by the rumor. Oftentimes you have bad things like that happen. Good things like Apple's announcing, you know, if, well, not now, but if now, if they announce like an iPhone, what would it be like a 13 if they did it? I think the 14 13, or 15, 14, somewhere around there. Yeah, whatever. Um, the rumor would come out, everybody would buy Apple and then they would sell once the news hit that they were actually going to, you know, unleash a new iPhone. With a recession, it's kind of like, okay, we're going to sell the news and try to price the market downwards for a recession. And then, you know, if the recession comes in and it's not like so steep that it scares to everybody to death, then, you know, you buy the, you buy the news in that situation. So yeah, I know I never buy the news, man. You sell the news. You always sell the news. Well, no, you sell the rumor of a recession and then you buy the news of the recession because if the recession comes, it's already here. You may have already bought them. And that's part of the reason why stock markets go back up gotcha. prior to the recession waning. Yep. Tomorrow morning, 8.30 a.m., GDP report comes out. We'll, we'll find out. 8.30 a.m. Will you text it to me? I'll be at work. I, <laughs> I'll text it to you. I'll let you know what, the, what it comes out with. Um, I'll be happy to. Uh, I may even uh, Instagram it. So uh, there you go, guys. Good. Um, final thought from me is I'm keeping right on my watch list. Um, I'm looking for maybe another downturn before we start to have a slow rise up. It all fits in that October timeline. GDP number tomorrow, I'm looking at a negative number, but I don't know if that's going to move the markets negative because it could already be priced in. The Fed rate today, I don't believe was high enough. They did say they're going to do another rate, but they said it would be shorter, uh, smaller, sorry, smaller rate cut. Uh, you know, I'm looking for more rate cuts. Uh, I, I think we need it to really put a halt to the economy in order to curb the inflation. Um, that's what I'm looking at going forward. I'm keeping an eye on this. I don't really have any big calls because I'm already in the semiconductor area. So I'm happy they're moving forward. I'm starting to make a lot more money on those, um, but I don't have any new calls in those areas. Just the same ones I've had before continue to hold the long-term positions. That's what I'm looking at. All right, guys, as always, we hope we've been entertaining, educational, and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. Have a good night. Have a good night.